we have a clear divide on people who follow Jesus and people who don't. What I'm most excited about is seeing teenagers come to church. And most importantly, I see teenagers in their Bible, uh, engaging with their friends and being truly salt and light in their schools where they work with their friends on their teams. So I would say that it would be the separation of nominal Christianity. And if you're really serious about Jesus, yeah, you're going to stand out. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Really pumped about today's conversation. If you have a teenager, if you are a teenager, if you work with teenagers, if you have ever met a teenager, then this is an episode that will be beneficial to you. We talk about every aspect of youth life and all of the, the different influences from the parents to the church to the culture to their peers. And we go through all four of those things. And I'm talking with a guy named Josh Skelly. And Josh is a wonderful guy. He's a husband and a father. He's a student ministries pastor at a church in Kansas. And it's a pretty large church. They have a, a significant sized uh, youth group. And he works with a lot of teenagers and really is a, a subject matter expert on, on teens and teen ministry uh, and helping teenagers and a student of the word and just a, an all-around help in this area. And we had a great conversation about teenagers. And so my goal is that this would help you if you are a teen or if you have a teen or if you work with teens, anything to do with that. Uh, this really can be a help to you, even if you just want to understand what a healthy culture in a church is to help teenagers. You might be like, I don't really have anything to do with teenagers, but this can still benefit you because we talk about how a church is able to have an impact in a young person's life. So hopefully this will be a conversation that is a help to you. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Ashka Adventures, and let me tell you, Ashka Adventures is a, a series of children's books that were written by Deb Glenn, who's an author and a keynote speaker, and she's also a part of our church, and the books are amazing, but what's really exciting is that now she's written a feature-length animated film, and it is really close to going to production, and I cannot wait for this to happen. This is going to be a great family-friendly movie that I'm going to want all of you to see, so we're going to start pushing it right now. Learn more at AshkaAdventures.com. Josh, it is. it has been a weird few years, I'm sure, for teenagers, and uh, you've been involved in youth ministry throughout those years and work with a large group of teenagers. Tell me, what what has it been like for teenagers kind of coming through COVID, coming out of COVID, and 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 really, what should what should parents, pastors, church people, as we're around young people, what are some of the things they're going through now that maybe we would never have experienced as a young person that we should be aware of because of the nature of the the culture and the society we live in, kind of post COVID? Yeah, post COVID has we've discovered a lot from the post COVID uh, teenage world. Uh, it is more. As you mentioned, it's more post-Christian. Um, there was a Wall Street Journal article a couple of years ago, I believe it was 2021, and revealed that Gen Z is the most anti-religious group uh, generation we've encountered. Um, less than 30% wow. of Gen Z qualified religion as very important to them. Less than 30%. And that's across the board. That's all religions. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, at the same time, in that same poll, 82% uh, of Gen Z said that uh, fulfillment, self-fulfillment was very important to them. So as a youth pastor or as a parent or as any ministry, 
leader or as any church member, disciple, the thing that we should be excited about and the thing that gives us hope is that there is like a craving, there is a desire among Gen Z to discover a purpose, to discover fulfillment for their lives. And what better way, what better opportunity than to share the gospel with them and to share that through Christ, you can have ultimate fulfillment, not through yourself, but through Christ. What is that? So in the the secular world in which we live in, when when you read an article like self-fulfillment, what what does that relate to for the average? I'm talking teenagers that you're reaching outside of your church and not growing up in the church. What does that self-fulfillment look like for most of them? What what are they pursuing? Yeah, it's the fulfillment or it's the, the, you're, you're seeking your own desires. If for the church world, you know, think back to the book of judges where it says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's the Gen Z generation is they're just doing what's right. What they feel is right. What they think is true. Uh, so that's what we're seeing is that yep. people, they want to do what they want to do. And so we see all kinds of things with identity, with sexuality, um, <clears throat> with changing pronouns, all that, all that stuff, all that baggage really just comes from what happens when humanity is left on their own. When we remove the authority, when we remove God from the equation, uh, it just becomes whatever you, the individual, wants to pursue. We hear about it all in the media, and you and you, you read about it, and you see all these things where they're. But you're you're in the thick of it with teenagers. I mean, you've got a, a fairly large youth group, and and you're the youth pastor, and so you're working with teenagers all the time. This whole changing pronouns, dealing with sexual identity issues, is this theoretical, or is this stuff that's like actually? I mean, your boots on the ground. Are you seeing this stuff with with the teenagers that you're involved with and that you're a part of? Yeah, it's really interesting that in our context here in Kansas, uh, we don't see a lot of kids that are changing their pronouns, going through all all those changes. But we, in every school, every public school, um, we have kids that come to our youth group that know kids that are doing that. And kind of the feeling when I talk to them, uh, I'm like, what, what does your school think of that? What does your teachers think of that? What do you think about that? Your friends? It's kind of an indiffer- indifference. It is to that extent we talked a little bit about hmm. self-fulfillment. It is more of that, hey, you do you, I do me. Hey, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't change my gender. But that's cool if you do. And I don't want to be a judgmental person. I don't want to be someone that tells you no. So we are seeing um, changes in the school. In, in our area, in our context, uh, we don't see this huge, it, it's uh, like you said, talk about the media. Uh, the media loves to highlight the 10% that are different or the 10% that have changed. Uh, right. But I would say the majority of kids haven't gone in the extreme ways, but we are seeing more and more of a uh, shift in the, the thought process in the um, as they experiment with this whole thing. Well, it definitely seems like the, the trend is is gaining ground so i mean it may yes. maybe maybe the media yes. is overstating it but it, def, it definitely feels as though we're heading that direction more and more and faster 100 percent, 100 percent um yeah. another study it just shows that really what you're seeing in every generation is almost at times two 
on uh, if we're going to talk about just the sexuality, LGBTQ. Um, if you look back at the boomer generation, I won't say the numbers because I don't have the, the figure ahead of me, but it was a very small percentage. Sure. And through each generation, you are seeing about times two. And Gen Z, um, the one I saw, the study I saw, it was about 25% of Gen Z would identify LGBTQ in some kind of way, which is mind-blowing. Some people would say that – I think a lot of times conservatives and Christians would say there were fewer people that identified like that because it wasn't being pushed. It wasn't being – brought up and others would say well no there were just more people that weren't coming out with it because it wasn't socially acceptable and now they're trying to normalize it make it more socially acceptable what what are you seeing as far as that's concerned though i mean it it seems to me that it's definitely the trend of the world is to normalize what was once considered abnormal yes human beings we're we're all the same we haven't changed our dna we love to go with the crowd. Whatever is popular, we're going to do it. And I see it so clearly with Gen Z. It is the popular thing. It is if you are a quiet kid, if you're not a popular kid, if you identify as a non-binary or if you just come out and say, hey, I'm gay, you instantly become a popular kid. You instantly get recognition. And our Hmm. world when I talk, when I talk about our world, I'm talking about the entertainment. I'm talking about um, the influencers. They are pushing this on our young people, and it's that's how discipleship works. That kids who are super impressionable, that uh, want to be accepted, if you if you push them, uh, many will follow. And unfortunately, the world has been pushing their values. And when you remove um, the word of God, and you remove God from the schools, from from your life, then this is, this is the result. So I am in the camp that it is definitely a, um, a result of the world pushing it, of older generations really trying to promote it. Yeah. What about, don't you think that some of this stems from the home as well? Not, not that the home is pushing it, but the home, discipleship is happening somewhere. If we use the term discipleship, because I think that's a, a smart mm-hmm. way to say it. They're being discipled by someone so yes. something's happening where they're, if they're not getting it in one place, they're going to get it somewhere else. Because young people, there's – and maybe you can speak to this too, but there's, there's this God-given wiring that they're, they're in pursuit of something at that mm-hmm. stage of life. Like, okay, they're trying to figure out who am I, what am I becoming, and some, are, some of them are going to ask the question, who does God want me to be? And some of them are going to ask the question, who do I want to be? So there's got to be a breakdown somewhere because even more and more Christian kids or kids growing up in the Christian community are starting to slant and lean those directions. So so talk to me a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, just talking about Christian homes or homes that would call themselves Christian, right? Culturally Christian. There is a huge disconnect with the house of God, the church, the word of God, and how it applies to your everyday life. You know, we, we see a lot of Christian homes where the kids grow, grow up and they leave the house and they look nothing like Christ and they want nothing to do with the church and they don't live according to the precepts of, of God. Why is that? Because in the home, there was never an emphasis on how does this look like Monday to Saturday? See, we can take our kids to church on Sunday morning. Yeah. 
and we can learn about Jonah and all these fun Bible stories. But if there's not a real growth, there's not a real discipleship at home, your kids will naturally draw over to the world. Because guess what? I get your kids two hours a week. The world gets them for 100 plus hours a week. They're hearing it from their teachers. They're hearing it on their and their phone with their friends. So we are very naive if we believe that our kids can be uh, God-fearing people if we aren't doing real teaching, real modeling, real discipleship in the home. Well, and I think it's interesting that you say in the home specifically because I think sometimes one of the dangers of having uh, a youth pastor or a youth ministry um, and it, we're, we're kind of at, at our church, we're getting ready to kind of launch. Uh, I've got some, a young couple that's volunteering and we're going to kind of launch a youth ministry. We're a church plant. And so we haven't had that resource yet. And so we're getting ready to launch that. But one of the things that makes me the most nervous is I don't want parents to think that you can outsource your child's yes. discipleship. So what is the role of the parent in the life of a child as opposed to the role of a, a pastor or a youth pastor in the life of a child? Because I think, I think that's, incredibly important to get right. Absolutely. In, in Deuteronomy, it, the, God made it clear, parents, you are the primary disciple maker of your kid. I'll say that again. You are the primary disciple maker of your kid. Now, the youth mm -hmm. pastor, your pastor are great. And what they are doing is they are coming alongside you as a parent, and they are reinforcing what you're teaching them at home. They are just another. They are another way to help your kids point them to Christ. As a parent, uh, we need help. I, I just became a parent last year. I can testify to this. I need help. I need people yeah. on the outside. But the primary care for our, our little girl, it belongs to Rachel and I on her physical needs, uh, on her emotional needs, and her spiritual needs. So we understand that we need help. But we also understand our calling uh, is to raise our daughter um, in the in the word of God to model uh, our lives. We're not perfect, but we certainly want to be parents that are involved and are the primary disciple makers of our kid. So you've got in the role of rearing a child, you've got the parents, you've got a church, um, you've got the world. Um, I'm kind of writing down a list here as, as I think through yeah. this. Um, you've got peers. So, so talk to me a little. So there's a lot of influences and the, the one that, um, the one that matters most, we would both agree would be the parents. Here's the, here's the grind perhaps with that is we, we live in a society where we have mom and dad and I'm not, this is not a judgmental statement. Um, it's just, I'm just laying out some realities. We live in a society where mom yeah. and dad typically are both working. Um, and so there's, there's busy schedules and we're getting home. I mean, we're working eight or nine o'clock to five o'clock, um, and then trying to rush home. And, and maybe if you've got a commute or something that could be even later and maybe grabbing dinner, um, watch, watch some of the playoff games for the football. And I mean, there's, there's a lot going on. So help, help me get practical here for a second, because yeah. the, one of the, one of the main goals of this podcast is to, is to not just pontificate, not just to theorize, but like, okay, what can I do? Like I have a, I have a 14 year old, so it'll be 15 next month uh, or in March of a 14 year old, a 12 year old and a nine year old. So I'm into those teenage years. Um, assume for a second that I'm not a pastor. 
I'm just I, I work in a factory or I'm a police officer, I'm a nurse or something. How do I help my kids? How do I disciple my kids? Because I've got a lot on my plate. I don't have time to sit down and develop a, a curriculum or a Bible study or or something, or at least that's what I think. So mm-hmm. so help me out a little bit there because I know I don't want them to be discipled by the world. So what do I need to do? I believe you. How do I do it? I would say, first of all, you need to be drawing close to Christ yourself. Because if you're if you're not full, mm-hmm. if you're not filled, you can't pour out to the other people in your life. You can't pour out to your spouse. You can't pour out to your kids, your coworkers, any relationship you have. So it's prioritizing your time with God. And, you know, your kids see that. Your kids, uh, they not only hear yeah. what you say, they watch what you do. And for you to have a dynamic relationship with God, that is the utmost uh, importance. We don't want to be hypocritical parents, hypocritical leaders, and tell everyone what to do without doing it ourselves. So I would start with that, is if you're not in a consistent walk with God, uh, whether that's listening to a podcast every morning, uh, opening your Bible during your lunch break, um, listening to the Bible on your drive home uh, from work, You know, I think about picking up your kids to and from school. How are you redeeming that time? It's easy just to turn the music on and lay back and and chill out a little bit. But maybe redeeming that time in the car. And then I would say after you have started. When I have my kids in the car, that's the time I probably spend more time discipling my children than any other time Mm -hmm. because it's they're captive and they're not going anywhere. They can't go on or something. And I mean, and, and the question. Yeah. The question, how was school is one thing, but the question is, what did you learn? And then you begin to have conversations about the things they're learning, but being able to put a biblical worldview to it and some of those things, man, that point is fantastic. Sorry to cut you off. No, absolutely. I was just going to finish up with uh, consider, especially if you have younger kids in the home, um, as they get teenagers and they have their own schedules, um, this would be a little bit more difficult. But I would say for parents that have younger kids, I'm saying like 10 and under, um, consider once a week, uh, family yep. devotion time. And I'm not, I'm not saying you have to mm-hmm. create a sermon or, or anything like that. Simply, you know, as you're walking with God, write some things down and share it with your family. You know, have dad take a turn one week, have mom take a turn. And as your kids get older, challenge them, say, Hey, would you like to share something that God's speaking to you? It's just a great time as a family to reset and understand for them to know, hey, church isn't, church isn't something we do. It's not a service we attend. This is, this is real. The, Jesus is real and Christ is real in my life and he is the most important thing. And to center your family on uh, something like that, I think is a, a fantastic option. Oh, I think it's huge. I, I think I, I talk to people periodically who are like, oh, I, I struggle to, even with their families, I struggle to pray out loud in front of my kids, yeah. or I struggle to, and, and people might say, well, I don't, I don't know what to tell them. It's easy. It is e- even as a pastor or as a youth pastor, and you know this, when, when you're walking with God and he's teaching you and growing you, it is way easier to get up on Sunday and teach or preach because it's, it's an outflow of what God's doing in your heart. And I think the number one reason yes. Parents aren't discipling their children is because parents aren't taking responsibility for their own walk with God. And the fact mm. that you're saying that I think is is critical because I think it's important. The, the other thing – so there's parents and then there's the church. 
what should what should a parent be looking for in a church? Because I think a lot of times these days it's really tempting to go to a church because it's close or it's tempting to go to a church because it's cool. Um, but again, if, if I'm partnering with a church to help disciple my children, what are some important things to look for in, in a church? Yeah, and, and look, I'm going to keep it down to this question because I think we're, we could open a whole can of worms just talking about Christianity and American <laughs> Christianity. So, yeah, let's just talk about, okay, as a parent, what am I looking for in a church? I think, first of all, you just got to – you have they have to have their doctrine right. They can't be wacky. Um, yeah. And then second of all, just so as a more practical level, um, are they interested in discipling people? When I say discipling, that's such a broad term, right? Yes. Uh, are they interested in training people sure. in the word of God to become more like the son of God? And I, I would, I would say this, don't go to a church just cause they have a really great kids ministry. Uh, having a really good kids ministry. When mm-hmm. I say a really good kids ministry, they got all the tech, they got all the um, fun games and the cool songs. Um, I would just really challenge you. Did the, do the leadership, does the church have a high pro- priority on raising up the next generation? Because that that is our fate, is are we passing it down to the next generation? So centered on the word of God and an interest in yeah. discipleship, I'd say are my top marks on looking for a church. I would agree. Yeah, th- you're right. There's a hundred different directions that that could go, but I think that's what I'm looking for. Is like, what are some of the key factors I'm looking for? So as a parent, I've yeah. got to be drawing closer to God and intentionally investing in my kids as a church. I'm looking for somebody that's doctrinally sound looking for a church that's investing in the next generation. So we talked about parent church. Then there's the world and peers. Those are, those are kind of the two other mm. influence, major influences in our, in our children's life. So when I, when I look at kind of the world and I, and I would say maybe the better word is, is culture. So that could be the, the things they're, yeah. they're taking in from outside sources, whether that's television, social media, um, whatever, not specifically peers. When we're gonna, I want to do that one separately. So as far as the world okay. and culture comes, what do I need to be watching out for as a parent to make sure that those influences are good? Yeah, I, I would take a holistic approach. I think the number one thing you need to be looking out for with your teenagers in 2023 is their phones. Because uh, the phones is the gateway to culture mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um you know, I think 20, 30 years ago, it, we were more concerned about where the kids are going. Uh, today, kids don't need to go anywhere. Right. They can they can access anything the world is offering mm-hmm. through their phone. So I would say as a parent, you are paying for that phone. As a parent, you have control of that phone. And I just think I'm a big believer on filters, uh, filters on your Google searches, filters on social media. Because uh, it's a dangerous world, uh, you would not just um, give your kid access to uh, your credit card. You wouldn't give your kid unfiltered access to a car. Um, we filter everything, and we need to do the same thing with our phones. Right. So I think just being wise, um, not being draconian, not being a dictator, uh, but just setting your kids up for wise choices and teaching them how to navigate the world while they're still in the nest, while they're still at home. Because uh, I've observed a couple other ways. I've observed the parents that deny everything. Not, they, their kid can't go anywhere. Their kid can't access anything. But when they leave the house, all those protections are gone, and the kid um, overindulges. Right. So 
I, I would say I would say to parents, you know, teach them while they're in the house, uh, filter, and teach them why you filter. Uh, teach them how to um, how to make wise choices on on where they go and what they see. I think that's so important. We have um, two of our kids have phones, um, but the way theirs are set up, there's there's no social media access on them. And they start at a certain time of the day when they come on, and then they shut down mm-hmm. at a certain time of day. And there's only a certain amount of time during the day that they can be used. So you could set that anywhere from 30 minutes to all day. But we right. kind of set those parameters so that we know and, and what their access is to, to very what every time they download an app, I get pinged on my phone so I know exactly what's being put on their phones and exactly what's going on. So it's it, I think it's important that we're making sure that we've got that um that locked down okay so parent church world and then there's peers um and this one's a hard one especially when our kids go to like my kids go to a public school and this one's really hard because on the one hand i want my kids to go into the world that they live in and try to be an influence for christ but at the same time i know that i know that those kids that are not believers and not followers of christ are also um, influencing my own kids. So what are some things as a parent that I need to be watching out for, for, for these peer to peer relationships? Yeah, that is, um, I would say even more than the world peers make or break um, your kids, middle school uh, life, their high school life, you know, Proverbs, it talks about that your, your friends, Really, like, if you walk with wise friends, you'll be wise. If you walk with foolish friends, you'll be foolish. And uh, friends are so, so important. You know, as, as a youth pastor, my advice to, to parents is to uh, be involved in your kids' lives. I think too often uh, we yeah. aren't. The, the danger is parents being too laid off rather than being too involved. You don't want to be helicopter mom. You don't want to be helicopter dad, but you do want to be involved and you do want to know what's going on. And I would just say, say to the parents, you know, ask around, you know, a lot of kids are on social media. You can kind of figure out what the kid's about on social media after one minute of looking on their profile. Um, So I would just encourage parents, you know, be involved. And then also, I think it goes back to what we've talked about before, which is discipleship. It, it, it really comes down to, are you mm-hmm. training your kids? Now, your kids can reject Christ. They have, that, they have that free will. But if you're training your kids, if you're talking about your kids, talking to your kids about um, how to navigate life, how to control your speech, how to um, influence people, how to win people with the gospel, um, that that really helps in their peer to peer relationships. Yeah, Josh, tell me about, um, and you don't have to necessarily give a specific student, um, but tell me about a time where you've seen a student come from a home where this isn't being lived out, and how you've been able to mm-hmm. help that type of. I'll, I'll say that type of student. How are you? How do you help yeah. that type of student? So maybe. Maybe there's a kid coming to our church, and we know that their home life is not going to support these things. How can how can we encourage them and help them in in our whether we're a layperson or a pastor? How can we help encourage those young people that 
there's something that God's just put in them and they're, they're wanting to do right, but they don't mm-hmm. have that kind of support. Yeah. There's, there's a teen guy uh, a couple of years ago showed up at youth group. And as I got to know him, discovered home life is a wreck, no support system at home, uh, school gang uh, had gotten mm-hmm. a lot of trouble, had been suspended, all that kind of stuff, but he discovered Christ and he got saved. And now here's yeah. this new Christian and we're, we're pumping him up, but back at home, he's fallen into old habits and bad influences. So with a kid like that, my encouragement is to get involved in their lives. Um, you know, we like to think about the glory moments, which is baptisms and salvations and camp decisions. And those are emotional and those are fun. But the real work of ministry is that day-to-day, week-to-week um, relationships. So for my advice would be just get involved. Uh, you know, they play sports, come to their games, uh, invite them over to the house. Yeah, Just find places, find times where they're with you, with good Christian friends. And this kid, he's developed so many relationships in our church. Uh, I, I feel like every weekend he's with one of their families. <laughs> So it's just been a great community yeah. effort. You can't do it by yourself. You need friends. You need help from the church. Um, but those kids, I feel, usually come out the strongest because they understand what it means to follow Christ. And following Christ isn't easy. Yeah, Following Christ is hard, but following Christ is worth it. Yeah, for sure. What about uh, what about a single parent, man? I know that can be tough. Somebody that's gone through mm. a divorce or something, and they're raising kids, and um, whether whether the other parent is involved at a distance or not, but like you know, when they're in your home, you're doing it kind of by yourself. How do you how do you encourage a single parent? Because that's I, I can't fathom. I, that would be tough, and so I want to be sympathetic to that. Talk talk to a single parent, whether it's a mom or a dad. How do you encourage them? Yeah, as single parents, we have. Um, I can't give you a percentage, but we have a good number of single parents represented in our youth group, kids coming from divorced homes, split homes. Um, you know, as a single parent, I would say that you need a double portion. <laughs> you need help. And that's where yeah. I feel like the church that, you know, when we're talking about the balance of home and the church, you know, I, I think the church, you, you put a little bit more weight on your church. You, you need a little bit more help. You need a little yeah. bit more uh, focus on your kids. So as a single parent, we like to, what well, I say we, I would say they tend to be superheroes and they're trying to do it all. They're trying to have a career. They're trying to make sure their kids are picked up from school. They're trying to make sure they're fed and all their rides are taken care mm-hmm. of. You know, I would say as a single parent, you need to be asking more help, um, not in a annoying way, but in a, in a real way. In a way that says you talk to your youth pastor, yeah. you talk to your pastor or talk to a mentor in their life and say, could you do this? Could you meet with them once a week? Uh, man, people, I think people are ready to answer that call, but I don't think that call is being sent out enough. So as a single parent, I would say ask for more help mm. from your church. Ask for more help from your church community. Yeah, that's good. What about teenagers? Um, if you If you had a teenager sitting on this interview with you right now. Um, and they said, man, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to live for mm. Jesus. It is hard, especially let's take the, 
the majority of teenagers are uh, nominal that we would be talking to are probably nominal yeah. Christian homes. Maybe the parents love the Lord, but they're maybe not really mm-hmm. strong and, and active. Um, they've got the culture. They've got the peers. They've got a lot of it kind of stacked against them. And I think the devil would would love to get a hold of young people because if he can knock them out early, he can keep them out yes. for, for the rest of the game most likely. So how do you how would you encourage a, a young person that was sitting on this podcast if you were if you were to tell them here's here's what you need to do to be able to keep going because because they could look at that and they could look at this and say my parents aren't doing this I don't have a good church I don't have I, mm-hmm. and but instead of the victim mentality how do we have a victor mentality as a young yeah. person Yeah, I love that you said victim mentality because that is something that we easily fall prey to, uh, myself included, is we like to throw ourselves at the victim, but we are victorious in Christ. So, you know, I point them to yeah. last fall, we did a, an eight week series in the book of Daniel, we called it countercultural. And man, like I was, I was pumped after that, going through that. Cause what is the book of Daniel all about? At least the first six chapters, it's all about these young guys that resolved that said, no matter what the world is going to throw at us, we're going to stand for God. We're going to make a stand. It doesn't matter what our yeah. friend's doing. It doesn't matter that our parents are separated from us. We're going to follow God. So I would say be encouraged because you're in good company. Uh, some of the brightest moments of Scripture, some of the greatest times where God moved is when young people made a stand. You, know, you think back to uh, yep. a, a guy like Joseph. He was a young man when he was sent over to Egypt. But God had a miraculous plan for his life. So if you look at the disciples in the New Testament, these guys, we typically think, at least how they're portrayed, they're 40-something-year-old guys. And these were young guys. These were, uh, John could have been as young as 17, 18 years old. Yet this guy followed Jesus for three and a half years. And because of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus had taught him, he changed his world. Uh, So I would tell kids that are facing a difficult situation, it feels like you're the only one. Let me tell you, first of all, you're not the only one. And second of all is uh, that is the time to make a stand. Because when you make a stand, when when you shine your light, it's brighter in the darkness. Yeah. Well, as we start to wrap this up, Josh, I'd like to have you do this. Tell me – it's easy, I think, in this culture and in this environment to kind of be mad at the mm. the this or the that. But, I mean, look, we can go back to our parents' generation or their parents' generation. Everybody, they were mad at Elvis Presley for shaking his <laughs> hips on TV. I mean, there's always been something in culture right. where people were able to be upset, and it's it's hard to ra- – this is the hardest generation ever to raise for the Lord. And I think that's probably – it's probably been true for every generation. That was the hardest because it seems yes. like the you know the Bible speaks to the fact that things are going to get worse and worse. But what are you, mm-hmm. what are you excited about for young people? And what what fires you up when you think about youth ministry and teenagers? And because I I think while technology can be hugely detrimental, they also have the opportunity to use that in ways that can be incredibly powerful. But what are you seeing? What's encouraging you in, for, for young people? What are you excited about for the days ahead? The thing I'm most excited about is we have, I think for the first time in American history, we have a clear divide on people who follow Jesus and people who don't. 
you know, for the 50s and yeah. 60s, we had a huge portion of America that went to church, kind of tipped their hat at God, but they weren't Christians. They, they didn't believe what the guy was saying in the front. And now those people are gone. Yeah. Because now the whole facade is over. The charade is, is done. If you don't want to go to church, you don't go to church. And there's no, uh, and people are fine with that. Right. So to me, what I'm most excited about is seeing teenagers come to church. And most importantly, I see teenagers in their Bible, uh, engaging with their friends and being truly salt and light in their schools where they work with their friends on their teams. So I would say that it would be the separation of nominal Christianity. And if you're really serious about Jesus, yeah, you're going to stand out. And I'm excited for what's ahead. Yeah. I I see teenagers doing incredible things. Um, so I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Well, man, I'm excited about coming to teen camp with you again this year. We were there last summer and uh, we're partnering with you guys again for, for camp this summer. And so we're looking forward to seeing you there. But I, I, while I'm excited for you, I'm a little sad that you're stepping out of youth ministry specifically in, in a specific context and entering into more of a, a senior pastor role, but a church planting role. Real quick, tell our audience, kind of tell us a little bit about what your future looks like and, uh, and leave us with that, with that thought so we know how to pray for you and how to support you. Yeah, in the fall of 2023, my family and I are moving to Tampa, Florida. And um, in February of 24, we are launching Redemption Church uh, in the Tampa area. Uh, we're pumped. Tampa, Florida itself saw over 400,000 people move into the state last year. Uh, the yeah. specific area we're going to, Wesley Chapel, uh, went from a sleepy kind of farmland area right outside Tampa and has exploded uh, with growth, a bunch of families moving from the Midwest, the Northeast into this area. So we're excited about playing a church and sharing the gospel and reaching people for Christ. Yeah. I'm surprised God didn't call you like to the upper peninsula of Michigan or Northern Minnesota. <laughs> you get to go to Tampa, you know, I'm, I'm here right. freezing my rear end off and you're going to sunny Florida. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you joining me today and, and being a part of this conversation. I know it's not always an easy one, um, but for those that are that are listening or watching, I, I my prayer, and I know Josh's prayer, is that, that young people will catch a vision and a heart for what God is doing. And so I appreciate uh, you taking time to, to walk through some of this with us and, and really kind of help and counsel and advise us on some of these things, because I think I, – I think, if we don't get this passed on to the next generation, I think it's, I think it's harder. Uh, I do. I maybe, maybe I'm just one of those guys and the next generation will say the same thing. I do think it's a little harder than it's ever been before. Um, and so I want to make sure that with my own children that I get it right. And I want to make sure other parents get it right with their kids. And so um, I'm, ex I'm excited about the future because I, I agree with you. And I've not thought of it that way, but what you just finished off saying a second ago, you know, who's, you know, who's following Jesus and you know, who's not. And so I'm excited because I see some kids that that are, and that's fun to watch because they're they're taking a stand in a world that is harder than ever to take a stand. So, thanks for joining us. We're excited for your future, and I look forward to seeing how God uses you in the Tampa area. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate. It. All right, I'm gonna hit this record stop. All right, so now what it's.